Okay, guys, we're in Lesson 12. We're going to look at uh, verses 7 through 18 of Colossians. So this is going to basically get us towards the end of Colossians to wrap it up. Next week, we're going to look, as part of our lesson here, is we're going to look at uh, Philemon. Philemon is basically only one chapter, if you want to say that. But we're going to take it in two lessons because Philemon is closely connected to the Colossian church. And that's because Philemon himself was a part of the Colossian church, and the Colossian church actually met in his house. Okay, So we're going to see a little bit. It's, it's a real personal letter that Paul writes. And so we're going to learn from that letter for the next couple of weeks. All right, let's, uh, let's look. First of all, we're going to look. He's going to give some final greetings here. Uh, first of all, he's going to talk about some faithful brothers, verses 7 through 11. And then he's going to greet some folks there, and he's going to give some concluding thoughts. So let's talk about faithful brothers first. Look with me at verses um, 7 through 11. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, and they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Eraticus, these are Greek names, folks, my fellow prisoner greets you, and Mark the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. All right, so let's talk about these faithful brothers here, okay? Um, now, as we go through this, we're going to delve a little bit of who they are and then maybe challenge ourselves a little bit concerning our testimonies because we're going to look at their testimonies and then we're going to try and see... Maybe is there some application for you and I. The first one is Tychicus, okay? And we see that he is described as a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. So he's got three different terms that he's using to describe him, okay? And he's got some nice adjectives there to help amplify his character here. So first thing he's described as is, is a brother, a beloved brother. So he's obviously somebody that people care a lot about. Okay, Paul cares for him. And obviously the Colossians church did as well. He's a faithful minister. So let me just stop for the word there. When we talk about minister here, we're not talking about somebody in a position that is, quote, in the ministry. What that means here is the term minister here is not used in a technical sense that we would use it today in the church. But rather it is somebody who ministers to others in the church. Do you understand? We should all be ministers. And it says, it describes his character here is that he's faithful. So you can count on him. Okay? So he's beloved. He's cared for by these folks as a brother. But he's also someone who ministers among them. And he's faithful. The other thing I want you to see here is a fellow servant. 
And again, so how's that different than the minister thing, George? Well, it's it's really a place of humility. A servant in their culture is is not someone who would be viewed in a high place here. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So he's it's it's, it's talking about his his humility and, and and his position among them. He's not lording himself, okay, over them. So he's just a fellow servant with the rest of them. All right. So this is Tychicus. Now, what Tychicus is going to do is, is he will tell the Colossians of all the news concerning Paul. This is what Tychicus is being sent for. He's going to tell them about everything that's happening with the Apostle Paul. Okay? Because he's in prison, and they're going to be coming to discuss what's going on here. All right? So, the other thing is, he was also sent to them to understand their circumstances and comfort them. Now, isn't that interesting? Look at that. Look with me at verse 7 there. 7 and 8. Especially verse 8. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose. So this is why he's being sent. Not just to tell him news about Paul. But here's what he says. That he may know your circumstances. Now, anybody know what that means? Anybody got a clue? What does that mean, to know your circumstances? Okay, what's going on around you? That's one aspect. Anybody else want to get a little bit deeper than that? Because it's not just knowing what's going on around you. Anybody else? Okay, what they're going through. Okay, that's good, Daddy. Anybody else? He wants to know everything about them. He wants them to have a, he wants Tychicus to have a clear picture of what's going on in your life, in their life. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you don't have a clear picture of the circumstances of what's going on in your life, can you minister to people? No, no. I mean, if, if you don't truly understand, have you ever noticed that, that when you're going through something, a lot of times people don't understand you and they try to comfort you, it brings no comfort, does it? Because they don't truly understand what you're going through. They don't understand your emotions. They don't understand the the the, the thought processes that you're dealing with. They don't understand anything, but yet they try to, oh, just just get over it. Get, get over it. You know what I'm saying? Get over it. You don't even know what I'm going through. You know? He wants, his purpose is for Tychicus to come and to find out what's going on in their life and be a what? Comfort. Now, isn't that interesting? He didn't use, he didn't say something else like, be the answer. Because isn't that what we do? Like, if I find, if I see Brad here and Brad's going through it, Brad comes to me and he says, yeah, this is my man, this is what, well, here, Brad, here's what you've got to do. Here's ten steps. And if those don't work, here's another six. And Brad's not necessarily, see, when we do that, we're assuming that Brad doesn't have a brain. Do you know what I'm saying? When we when we give people answers like that, this is what you need to do. We're assuming people don't have brains. Do you know what I'm saying? That they're they're not smart enough to get them through this. A lot of times people, when they tell you about their problem, they're not necessarily looking for an answer. Because common sense is common sense, right? What they're looking for is someone who will just simply what? Care. What, what did you say, Gene? 
Hug them, yes, okay. Now, if you're a dude, you may not want a hug, okay. But, I mean, yeah, you a hug, your comfort. So notice now, Tychicus is to, to come and find out what's going on with them, what is their circumstances, but he's also to bring them what? Answers? No, not necessarily. Comfort. Now, how, well, what's the what's the lesson for us in that, as we deal with each other? Yeah, be there, and you said whether we know the answers or not. I would say you're exactly right, Bruce. I take it one step further. The answers aren't necessarily needed. It's about being there, hearing them out, because to understand circumstances, you have to be hearing them out, right? And being a comfort to them. Okay? Being a comfort to them. Let's go on now. Onesimus, we see in verse 9. Now let me just tell you about Onesimus. We're going to study about him next week. Because he is the reason why Paul wrote Philemon. Because Onesimus, just a little bit of background on who he is, is a runaway slave. Owned by Philemon who is the Christian who the church meets in his home. He was a runaway slave who got saved when he met the Apostle Paul in prison. Okay? So, and we'll talk about all that next week. So understand who he is. He's a runaway slave. But Paul's sending him there. Now, here's what I want you to see. Onesimus is identified as one of the Colossians. Yep, he's, he's from their area. He used to... He used to be there with them. He may not have been a believer at the time, but he was a slave. Okay? He was a slave. Here's the other thing. He is going with Tychicus to inform the Colossians. He's going with Tychicus to tell them about what's going on with Paul. Alright? Now here's the wonderful thing about the Tradition, church tradition tells us about Onesimus. He ended up becoming a pastor, a bishop, in the church, the early church. Okay? Long after the Apostle Paul was gone. So this letter we're going to read is, is really a true a letter of redemption. Okay? Of reconciliation. Because do you understand, a runaway slave in the Roman world, the master had every right to what? Yeah, put him to death, execute him. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because that was your property leaving. All right? So we're going to study that next week. Now we're going to see, uh, boy, his Greek name, Aristarchus, okay, and Mark. Now we know Mark, okay? Now, Aristarchus was a fellow believer who was imprisoned with Paul, Okay? So this was another fellow believer who was imprisoned with Paul. Okay? Now, he and Mark sent greetings to them. So he didn't, he's not going there, but he's sending greetings. Okay? Now, Paul tells them that they know about Mark and are to receive him if he visits. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Anybody remember Mark? Anybody remember what happened with Mark in um, Acts, the book of Acts? 
in the first missionary journey, he turned back. And at the beginning of the second missionary journey, he causes a fallout between who? Barnabas. Because he is a relative of Barnabas. So obviously at that point, and that's because Paul didn't want to take him. Because, you ever done that? You gave a guy a chance, he didn't work out. And most of you would say, I ain't using him again. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not babysitting. And there was a fight there. Well, look here now. Here we are. Paul's in prison. So this is obviously a few years later. Do you think they reconciled? Did you know what I'm saying? Do you think that they worked it out? Obviously so, that he's using him now. We see that later in uh, in Paul's last letter. He talks about Mark in a good way. Okay? Just so you know, Mark is the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mark is the writer. John Mark is also how he's known. Is the writer of the Gospel of Mark. All right? Now, there's a dude called Jesus, but they call him Justice. Do you understand? Jesus, in that day, among the Jews, was a very popular name. Do you understand? Just like Joshua. It's actually very similar. Jesus was a very popular name. Judas was a very popular name. But you notice, after the crucifixion, folks with, with who are involved with the church, nobody wants to be called who? Judas, okay? And nobody's calling themselves Jesus either. So is Judas called Justice, okay? So Jesus called Judas, or, or Justice, also sent... His greetings. Jesus called justice also sent his greetings. Now, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice were the only fellow workers who were Jews. Look at what it says there in verse 11. He says... These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. That phrase, of the circumcision, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so these these are obviously folks who were Jewish. Therefore, if they were Jewish men, they were what? Circumcised. So he's saying, these three who are with me are the only ones who are Jewish. Okay? Now, let me just stop for a moment. A, cru- a crucial time. This is obviously before, this would be sometime around the 80s, or 60s, early 60s. Paul died in 62. Um, so this is obviously the late 50s. At this time, the church was primarily, predominantly made up of Jews. And you understand why. Because when Paul went to an area, where was the first place he went to to share the gospel? To a synagogue. And when he was rejected by most there, he then went to to the Gentiles. So up until the most crucial turning point, the very first turning point in the history of the church was A.D. 70. What happened in A.D. 70? Titus destroyed um, Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And from that point on, the church becomes, even to this day, primarily, predominantly Gentile. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
that's a crucial turning point. So up until this point, you have people who are ministering who are Jewish, okay? And so that's what he's telling us here, is that these three who are with him were fellow Jews. Now, here's what else he says. Paul states that these men proved to be a comfort to him. So just their presence proved that they, these men were are good men because these are assets to Paul. They proved to be a comfort to him. Okay? Now, let's look, verses 12 through 15, we're going to look at some more greetings here. Look with me at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you, in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Namphus and the church that is in his house. Okay, let's take a look here. First of all, Epaphras, again, is described as a fellow Colossian, sent them greetings. So he's obviously Greek. That's a Greek name. Paul didn't identify him as a Jew. So he sends greetings. He's with Paul, so he sends greetings back to the home church. All right? Now, here's what I want you to see. Paul, Epaphras, prayed for their spiritual maturity, and was zealous for them. He prayed for their spiritual maturity. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think for a moment about your prayer life. I don't, I don't need anybody to raise their hand. I don't want anybody saying out loud. I just want you to think. We're going to have a, a thinking exercise here for a moment. I want you to think about your prayer life. What do you pray about? Is it primarily you? Don't answer that. Is it primarily family? Okay. Those are two predominant things. Is it, is it about the circumstances that you're going through at the time? All right. Normally that's our typical prayer life, right? Everybody agree with that? What I want you to see here is that the scripture talks continually, especially in Paul's letters, that when he talks about prayer, he's not praying for himself necessarily. I'm sure he did. Okay? But he's always talking about himself or those who are with him praying for who? Others. And, and what does he pray for them? Mamsy, Pamsy, oh bless them Lord. No. He's praying for them to mature in their faith, to grow in their faith, okay? So he's, he's praying, or the person he's talking about is praying for them to grow in their faith. So here you see Epaphras, and here's two things that you see about him. Number one, he is praying for their maturity, for their completeness. That's a good word, completeness. All right, because when you're, when you're a Christian and you're growing, you realize that you're incomplete, right? All right, so he's praying for completeness. And the other thing is, is he's zealous for them. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, 
It's kind of like someone saying to you, I'm your fan. I'm your biggest fan. Have you ever had somebody tell you that? I'm your fan? Well, you're, if you have it, you need, somebody needs to. That means that they are, they are zealous for you. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? They, they, they believe in you. And they're trusting for you. This is where he was at. This is the way he was towards the Colossians. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with. As you think about your prayer life, what you normally pray for, I want you to decide, it's going to take a decision, that becomes an action to pray for others. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, man, wow. George, there's, there's about 130 people who are who come into our church on a given month who are attached to our church. You want me to pray for all 130? Let's take it small steps. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick out in your mind three to five people. And they don't even have to be people that you rub shoulders with and drink coffee with when you're here. But three to five people that you would pray for their completeness, maturity. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that you would become their fan. You would believe in them. You don't have to say anything to them, but you would believe in them in prayer. God, I believe in them. You're going to do a good work in their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, that's a challenge. I'm, I'm just limited to three to five people. Some of you would just do, so can I just do one person? Fine, start with one. Okay? Don't do all 130. You'll get exasperated and quit. But pick out some people. And if you know, who do I pick? Well, pick out the person you don't really know. But you start praying for them, for their completeness. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will change you. It'll change. You will become interested in that person, even if you're quietly interested. What's happening in their life? Do you understand what I'm saying? They won't just be an abstract. Oh, that's the dude on the other side of the of the church, you know. And I only ever see him when George forces us to go over there and shake hands with him, you know. Now, you pray. Do you understand? This is what Epaphras did. All right? This is what Epaphras did. You know, it's easy for you to pick somebody you know. Pick, Pray for somebody you know. Add them to the list, too, the ones that you do care about, okay? But pick some people. Pray for them. Luke and Demas is the next couple folks who send greetings. Luke and Demas greeted them. Now, we know Luke. Luke authored two books in the New Testament. What are those two books? Uh, not Revelation. Yeah, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Okay? Were done by Luke. Anybody know who Demas is? Demas is a, an interesting example for us as well. Demas is mentioned... In 2 Timothy chapter 4, why don't you turn there? 2 Timothy chapter 4, just go over a few books from Colossians. Here's a guy who obviously was there with Paul, being a comfort to him. He's mentioned in this letter, I think he's mentioned in another letter. But when we get to Paul's final letter that he writes sometime right before he dies... Verse 10. Paul is singling him out here. 
he's not, he isn't saying this for, about the other two dudes, because history shows that they've gone on and done well. But with Demas, he's making a point here that Demas forsook him. Does that, all right, that's a nice Bible word. Does anybody know what that means, forsook? Left him hanging, okay. It's a good Clearfield County way of saying it, okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he abandoned him. You know, do you know what I'm saying? He left him in a lurch. And why did he do that? What does it say there? Yeah, he loved this present world more. What do you think? I think what was happening there is Demas, as long as everything was going along and he was on the, on the ministry chairing with Paul, yeah, even though there was hardships, he was like, yeah, something's going to happen here. But then, now Paul's in prison, Paul's looking at death, do I really want to be here with this dude? So he's thinking about what? Himself, and being alive. So here's a guy who seems to be doing okay, who's in ministry, but towards the end, he cashes it in. And I'll just tell you, history shows that he didn't, you never hear from him again. The only thing that we know is that he left the faith. That's a warning to us. That's a warning to us. Folks, you, you know, I've, I've been a believer now, and April will be 30 years. Some of you have been a believer longer than that. And you can think back over your church life, your Christian walk, at other people who were there strong, right? And then they have nothing to do with Jesus anymore. They're like Demas. They forsook for whatever reason because they love this what? Present world. thought that's interesting about Demas. Go back to Colossians there. Let's look at some uh, verse 15. Paul wants to send greetings now. The Colossians are to greet those in Laodicea and in the household of Nymphus. Okay? So Paul's telling them, hey, while you're at it, because you have to understand these letters weren't just personal, they shared the letters. It was a common practice that they would share the letters among churches. So this letter went from Colossians, and then they carried it over to the next city, to the other church, and they were supposed to bring greetings from Paul. who And the church met in the guy, this dude's name, Nymphus. Aren't you glad we don't have names like that anymore, okay? Uh, so let's look at verse 16 and 18. We're going to get to concluding thoughts here. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from the La- from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry to which you have received from the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. All right, here's a couple things. First of all, the reading of the letter. Paul wanted this letter to be read to the Laodiceans as well as his letter to them. Now, we don't have the Laodicean letter. That's lost. Okay? But this letter was to be read to them. All right? And so we we really get a good point here. The reason why we go through this, the reason why we don't have teaching on 10 steps to be a happy family, 
six steps to having a green lawn in the spring, how to plant tulips, things like that. The reason why we go through the books and the letters is because we're commanded to. Did you understand what I'm saying? We're to read these among ourselves. That's where your spiritual encouragement comes from. It's from God's Word. Do you understand? It's from God's Word. Now, here's what he says. Now, he's talking about one dude who's there at that church, Archippus. Okay? Paul instructed Archippus to fulfill his ministry from the Lord. So, obviously, Archippus had something that God wanted him to do among the Colossians. And so, Paul's saying to them, hey, tell him, do it. Fulfill it. Now, here's the thing. Let me just go ahead and tell you. I, I am not, I am not a de, in, de, in a delusion to believe that the only people who do ministry are those who hold a position in the church. If that were true, we would be in big trouble. God calls us to do ministries. Now, you're saying, well, he hasn't called me to go to the prison. I'm not talking about just going to the prison. God may give you another type of ministry. We think in terms of ministry in terms of recognized ministries. Okay? God may be telling you to do something on his behalf for other people. Period. That's what ministry is. Do you understand? Doing what God tells you to do on behalf of other people. Now, it may be recognized. It may not be recognized. But the point is, this dude was doing something, and Paul sends the message, you fulfill what God's calling you to do. I think that's a good encouragement to every one of us, isn't it? You fulfill, you, every one of you here, fulfill what God is calling you to do. You say, well, George, I don't know what he wants me to do. Well, then I think I would spend some time finding it out. Well, how do I do that? I think you ask God to open your eyes and your ears to the opportunities that he presents you. And first of all, you got to have a heart that's willing to do it. Now, if you're focused on yourself, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to see it. And even you got to be careful because our hearts are wicked. You may do something, and it's not for the Lord that you're doing it for. It's for who? Yeah, yourself. For your own ego. You know? So that's what we see here. Now, here's the closing. Paul stated that he wrote the closing with his own hand. You have to understand, when Paul wrote these letters... He didn't write them primarily. He had somebody write them down for him. Some believe that's because Paul suffered from an eye problem. Look, when you're struck blind by Jesus, do you think you're going to be the same again? Now, you know, when Jacob wrestled with the angel and he touched his inner thigh, he walked with a limp the rest of his life. You don't, you don't wrestle with God and come away from it same. Do you understand? So here he's saying, this part I'm writing with my own hand. So he just writes a few phrases here. He calls them to remember his circumstances in prison. Remember my chains. Folks, I think this is a good point for us here. You know, so much is in the news today, uh, you know, whether it's Christian pastors in prison in, in Iran 
uh, Christians being kidnapped in Syria who are probably going to face the same thing that the 21 brothers faced in Egypt and being beheaded. You know, we're so wrapped up in our little world. Oh, this is happening to me. Folks, we got to think outside of our boxes. we got to care for other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Paul says, hey, remember my circumstance, my situation, in chains I am. You and I got to remember others. We got to remember something, okay? And then here's what he does. Paul always does this. He blesses them. And it's always with that one term, grace. Isn't that how we get by? That's how you're getting by, right? He says, grace be with you. So Paul blesses them. Paul blesses them. All right, we've, we've, you know, we've gone through a lot. We looked at a lot of different dudes here, Jews, Greeks. Try to gain some information from them. Colossians is an awesome letter, isn't it? Lot there. Okay, next week, we're going to look at a very personal letter, Philemon. And Philemon has only 25 verses. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7 next week. And the week after that, we'll look at verses 8 through 25. So we're going to look at that next week.